This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. In, in April 2012, that's a couple of years ago, I made a specific discovery. I was at that stage battling with insomnia for about three years. So I was kind of very open to discoveries, you know. I was kind of open for anything that can, can help me snap out of it. So God told me something. In the beginning, I was quite skeptical, and I thought, what, what, what does this mean? I didn't actually agree. But um, I made this discovery, and, and God said to me that I have made my husband my strength. Now, as I say, in the beginning, I didn't quite understand it. I didn't know what he was meaning. I, I actually argued with him and said, no, no, it's not the truth. God, you are my strength. And, and you know, I think because I was so desperate, because I was not sleeping at that time, I was so desperate that God really got my attention. And he was not the author of my insomnia, all right? God is not the author of anything in this life that is hurting us or that is... Is, is, is breaking us down or it's causing stress or, or trauma. Is not the author of that. But because I was not sleeping, he got my attention, if that makes sense to you. So, and I knew eventually when, when, when God revealing to me exactly what, what he was trying to, to tell me, I realized that it's actually quite a big thing in my life. And uh, I, had to, I had to come to a point where I was open to listen what God had to say. So God started showing me that when I was working, I joined Andre in, in full-time ministry in the end of 2009. So for about 11 years, I, I was in a job situation where I was very much dependent on God. I, my husband couldn't really help me. Okay, he could support me, he could pray for me, but my, my job for me, for my kind of personality, it was quite stressful. And, you know, uh, Andre couldn't help me when I had to deal with difficult clients. I was very much in a, in a male-dominant environment with big uh, companies where I had to even deal with, with um, people that, uh, it, they could have been my dad, you know. It was people that were, like, much older than I was, and I was, I was very much dependent on the Lord. Um, and my husband couldn't help me when I had to solve technical issues that was really way beyond my mental understanding. And when I had to drive back on the N1 at 10 o'clock at night on my own after I was working with my team at a client. And I was very much dependent on the Lord. So when I started working with Andre at the end of 2009, it was a very subtle shift, but I kind of thought to myself, he's now going to protect me against this big, wide, bad world out there. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be safe. I'm never going to have any challenges again. I'm just going to float through life, working with my husband. And it's just going to be a piece of cake, all right? I really, I really had that um, underlying uh, feeling. And it was a very subtle shift of moving my strength from totally and utterly trusting in the Lord to kind of look, starting to look to my husband, okay? And I actually felt very vulnerable, overly emotional, and I couldn't figure out what was going on with me because I was now, in my opinion, in a less stressful job, okay, I thought. And the, the way I also, um, or one of the reasons why I also picked it up, what, what God highlighted to me is I became extremely sensitive for his opinion, so for my husband's opinion. So if I had any indication that he was not happy with me, my life would fall apart. So I was, I was looking to him to strengthen me, to fulfill me, to, to give a place of security, if that makes any sense to you. And I was I was. I've actually felt cursed in a way. Now, let me take you to the scripture because this is a scripture God showed me. And I was, now, now remember, I'm, I'm not sleeping. I'm kind of looking for a solution. And now God is saying to me, Sonika, you have made your husband your strength. In the beginning, I was not agreeing. And now 
I need to, need to wrestle with the Lord to figure out what he's trying to say to me. So he took me to Jeremiah 17 and verse 5 and 6. It says, thus says the Lord God, cursed is the man. Now, whenever the Bible talks about man, it's mankind, all right? Male, female. Cursed is the man or the woman who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. And when I read the scripture, I I realized that I felt cursed. Okay, not not cursed in a way that maybe you would think, you know. (laughs) Not cursed like cursed by a Satanist or something. Just cursed in a, in a way that I, was, I, was, I felt extremely vulnerable, overly emotional. I was just not myself. I didn't feel strong. I did not feel strong. And I couldn't figure it out because I really felt that my life is now going to be easier. All right? Working with my husband, surely he's now going to just protect me and look after me and you know, sort out all my IT issues for me, all those things. Okay? So... I, I realized that I felt cursed because I, it, I, I very subtly moved into a position where I was not so dependent on the Lord anymore. And in the process, I started looking to my husband. Now, whether you're married or not, it can happen to anyone. Because the moment we find our security or our fulfillment or our strength in anything else but the Lord, you will feel vulnerable. And it, it, it started making sense to me when, when you know, God showed me these scriptures. The, the other thing that happens is we will not see good when it comes. So even though God can be utterly good to you, he can, be, he can bless you left, right, and center, you will actually not realize it because you will be blinded for his goodness because your strength is found somewhere else. In the same way, if, if a person or whatever has, has become our strength, we will also not, not be able to see the good that that person brings because it will never be enough. The person will give and give and give and it will just never be enough for you because that person's never been designed to fulfill you. God's never designed anything in this world, not your husband, not your wife, not your children, not, not money, not your job, not your, the hobby you enjoy most. It's never been designed to be your strength. It's never been designed to fulfill you in such a way that it will strengthen you. It might energize you to, such an, to, to some extent, but it can never fulfill you. So the moment we look away from, from God as our strength and we start looking to anything else in this world to strengthen us, to secure us, to fulfill us, we will feel cursed. We will, feel, we will feel weak. We will feel, in my, in my um, case, overly emotional. And I was, I was not strong. I was not strong and I couldn't figure it out. So I want to ask you this morning, where do you find your strength? Where do you find your strength? Do you find it in, in, in a friend, in your husband, in your wife, in money, in a job? Where, where do you find your strengths? Because I've, I've learned through this experience that if, if I do not find my strength in God, in Jesus, I will not be blessed. I will not be strong. And I will, I will feel cursed to some extent. Okay, so I had to reverse this whole thing and I didn't really know how. So eventually after God now convinced me, I don't know if you've ever been in that position. You're kind of reasoning, reasoning, reasoning. Okay, okay God, you're right. Okay. <laughs> and when I came to that point, I was now I don't know what to do. Okay, fine. I've now, I've now moved very subtly from putting my strengths in the Lord to, to, to finding it in my husband. Now I have no idea how to reverse it. And what I started doing was very simple. I took the next scripture that gave me the answer to my problem. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8, that says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. So I just put my name in there. I started by just confessing the scripture 
not even knowing if it's the right method now, okay, to fix my problem. But I started doing by, uh, by, I started by just confessing the scripture, blessed is Sonica who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For she shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river. She will not fear when heat comes, but her leaves will be green. She will not be anxious in a year of drought, and she will not cease from yielding fruit. And I confess that over and over and over. I just said, blessed is Sonica, for she trusts in the Lord, and she puts her hope in the Lord. I just confessed it over and over and over, and I felt a shift in my heart. So it started by just this one scripture that I was confessing over. And I, I think my, my breakthrough actually came by just seeing it for what it is. For just actually uh, God opening my eyes and seeing, seeing something I would have never seen. I would have never even ever thought that, you know, that that was the case. You know, that my husband has become more to me than what he was ever designed to be. And as I say, you don't have to be married to fall into the strap. You can fall into the strap any moment with anything, not even with a person, but it often happens. And, and the, the way you recognize it is you become overly sensitive for somebody's opinion. So if that person is just in any way not happy with you and your world falls apart completely, you must know that that person, uh, the, the, the strength you find from that person is too much. It's too much. And it, it will never be good. It will never be a healthy relationship. You know, so I really believe because God, in the scripture it says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. So I realized I had to start there. And what, what, what I've been meditating on in the last while specifically is I really feel that we need to strengthen our certain muscles, like certain spiritual muscles in seasons when it's going well, so that in seasons when we, when we go through trials and tribulations, that we are fit in that area. Okay, does that make sense to you? So you're not going to just run a 21K race. You're just going to start walking, Okay. If it's me, I just need to start walking because I won't be able to do that. So you need to do two kilometers and you must do a few 5Ks before you attempt your 21Ks, okay? We have agreement on that, okay? Otherwise, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> or I feel sorry for myself if I want to be brave and do that. In the same way, I believe there's these spiritual muscles like hope and trust that we need to strengthen. So we need to constantly work on these muscles, all right? So let me just give you a few, a few um, practical things around trust and hope because ultimately I really believe that's the foundation of our strength. As women, as men, if we do not learn to strengthen our trust and our hope muscles, we will never be strong. We'll never be strong. We'll try and find it in other things, but we'll never really be strong. Trust is to steadfastly, if you're taking notes, this is a great time to take notes. Okay, just a few revelations around trust. Trust is to steadfastly expect his mercy, his salvation, and his rescue, and while waiting, not take matters into one's own hands. Because sometimes we wait, and we wait, and we wait a bit more, and we wait a bit more, and then all of a sudden, we're tired of waiting, okay? And then we just do our own thing. All right, this is, this is crucial when it comes to our developing our trust muscle and finding our strength in the Lord is not to take matters in our own hands. All right, because your breakthrough can be right around the corner and now you take matters into your own hands and you mess it up. Okay, I've been there in my life. You get tired of waiting. And I've just learned that because, you see, God is faithful. He will, he, will, he will clearly show you that you're taking things in your own hands. You will know. You will know when you take matters into your own hands. Trust is to let go of our way and our timing and allow God to do things in His way and His timing. Very much connected, you know, to not taking matters in your own hands, but to let go of our way, our timing, especially 
Sometimes we're willing to let go of our way, but we're not willing to let go of our timing. Because surely, God, my time is the right time for this to happen. Then the third one, which is possibly, I think, maybe the, even the most challenging one, is to believe that God is faithful and that He is good, even in seasons when nothing makes sense. You know, sometimes when things happen, we really want answers and we really want to explain it. And sometimes there's just no answers in the moment. And to, to cling to God and to hold on to Him and say, Lord, I believe that you are good, that you are faithful, even though this doesn't make sense. Even though, Lord, it, it, it even causes me to question your goodness or your character. Just to hold on, not to let go. Of Jesus, I mean, there's so many tragedies the last, the last couple of weeks. It's that's it's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. A little girl in 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 my son's school, was in grade three. She, she suddenly died of a of just an infection in her brain. She's the only child. She's a little blonde girl, and. It broke my heart, you know. And then I, I realized if I do not believe that Jesus is good, if I do not with all of my heart know that he is good, my, my faith is now going to take a wobble here, you know. So, so in, in times when nothing makes sense, when things are happening that make us question the Lord, there must have been a season where we had our 1K and our 5Ks because now it's a 21K and it's hard. So if that muscle is not strong, we, we are going to battle. And this is why we need to constantly, constantly work on our trust and our hope muscles. Amen? That makes sense to you? We can never just sit and say, oh, we, we're in for a spiritual holiday. I mean, because everything's so good. In, in seasons that it's going well, that's those seasons that we need to even press in for more so that we can be ready for those times when there's questions, when nothing makes sense, when, when, when we are battling. You know, I've been, I've been confronted, you know, the last while, with, even in my own life, with, with questions, you know. I have questions for the Lord in terms of my own life, things that I'm trusting Him for and and God just said to me, Sonika, you are actually not called to understand, but you are called to trust. It helped me so much because I want to figure things out and I want, I want to wrestle with the Lord until I have an answer. And sometimes there's just no answer yet. <laughs> and it's good to wrestle with the Lord. It's good to, to ask and to ask again and to pray again and say, Lord, what? What's going on and until you find peace? But sometimes peace comes without an answer. There's peace, but there's no clear-cut answer of when and how and, and what is it going to look like. You do not know. And when God said to me, Sonika, I'm calling you to trust. I'm not calling you to understand me because you won't. It, it actually took such a big burden off my shoulders you know, just to, to understand things in my own life that I don't. And God just said to me, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay if you don't understand. But what I want you to do is I need you to trust in me. And it really took such a big burden off my shoulders. Let's look at hope. So, okay, there's the one, the one area, you know, if we, you, you must picture yourself as a tree, okay, because this is the, the scripture, what it's all about. There's a tree. you either a tree that, that has roots that goes deeper and deeper and deeper. So in a time of heat and in a time of drought, you're going to be okay. It's either that picture. The other picture is you're going to be like a little shrub in the desert. You will not see when good comes. You're going to be isolated. You're going to be in a deserted place. And the only difference between the two is our trust and our hope levels. That's the difference. Okay, where we put our trust and our hope in either, either God or we put it in something else that will not allow for our roots to go deeper. We will actually have 
shallow roots and it will not help in a time of drought and in a time of heat. So we need to at all times evaluate where do we put our trust? Where do we put our hope? What is, the level of, what is our hope levels? What is our trust levels? Because you might think you are a strong believer. And when, when a season comes when there's no clear answers or it's a waiting season and you wait some more and you wait some more and there's no breakthrough, you need to be able to go deeper in God. Okay, so let's look at hope. A hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem itself. It's something that Steve Backland teaches. He's, he's got a ministry, Igniting Hope Ministries. It's powerful. It's really amazing. And I completely agree with what he says. So if you become hopeless about anything, whether it's sickness, whether it's disaster, whether it's waiting for something, whenever you become hopeless... Th that hopelessness is actually a bigger problem than the sickness or the problem itself because your whole foundation is pulled out. You, you don't have any firm foundation anymore. So the moment you lose your hope, you lose your strength. The moment you lose your hope, you lose your strength. So it's not about the problem anymore. It's now about ho your hopelessness, right? Hope is not an optimistic outlook or wish wishful thinking, but it's a confident expectation based on God's promises. Let me show you a, a, a scripture in Romans. Most of you would be familiar with this. It's about Abram. He had this promise that he's going to be the father of many nations, and now he's waiting, and he's waiting, and he's waiting some more, and there's nothing, nothing that is evident of, of this promise. But look at this scripture. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abram kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. So even there was no reason for hope. There was nothing. There was nothing tangible that could tell him that you are not crazy. In fact, everything, everything screamed at him that you might be crazy, okay, for hoping and, and trusting in this promise. So even when there was no reason for hope, he kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. Abram never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And I'll, at, at the end, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a, a few keys. Okay, but because I've been wrestling with the scripture, how can you... How can your faith grow stronger in a season when there's no evidence or no any sign that what you're hoping for is going to come to pass? How does this work? How can your faith grow stronger and not weaker in, in this situation? And, and I'll get to that. But let's just talk about two ways of keeping our hope alive. Okay, so the one leg is trust. The other leg is hope very much linked to one another, but in a way we, we uh, it's, it's in, a, in a certain way two very different things and in another way very similar, all right? Hope. We need to document what God has done in our lives and we need to talk about it often. You know, Andre and I had a date night the other night and we were talking through these little cards that we often do. Otherwise, we talk about you guys, which is awesome. We love you. But we also need to talk about something else. So we go through these cards, and one of the questions are, if you have one year to live, one year, how would you live your life differently? You know, and I, I was really confronted with this question. This is now our date night question, okay? Very deep, I know. But, you know, I, I said to Andre, I actually think I wouldn't change much, which for me was awesome. I, wa I was evaluating, you know, even the time we spent, the time I spent with my son. But there was one thing that I, in that moment, I was so confronted with, and I felt God said to me, Sonika, if you had one year to live, I, I would have wanted you to document things, to write down what I've done in your life for future generations, for other people, because if you are not there anymore, if you can't tell your stories, 
then people must read your stories. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so confronted with this because I'm, I'm, I'm writing, I actually am writing a 30-day devotional for women. Please pray for me because I need help to finish this. I started about two years ago, almost two years ago. I lost momentum because I, I don't actually know how to finish this. Okay? I, I wrote my first draft, and I was very excited. And when my husband started looking at it, I realized, oh, <laughs> there's so much work to do, and I actually don't even know what to, what to change. I don't, don't know how to change it. But I'm inspired. At the beginning of this, this year, God just said to me, Sonica, I want you to finish this. So please pray for me, okay? But a way of keeping our hope alive is to, to write down what God has done in you. It fills your, your hope levels. Because sometimes we so much, we so in the moment, we are so caught up in the year and the now, and we forget what God has done for us. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean... How many of you have ever read uh, um, Exodus? And now it's the ten plagues, and it's the dramatic go, going through the Red Sea, and then just a week later they all complain, and they're all like, God has deserted us, and now they worship the golden calf. I was like, how can they be so, so stupid? I'm like, I'm, I was, I'm, I'm very like, I would have never done that, you know, kind of attitude. And I realized this is exactly what I do. God does amazing things in my life and then just when I come to the next challenge I've forgotten everything how many of you have ever experienced supernatural healing like God really supernaturally heal you how many of you have ever even just like six months later now you come across another challenge in the area of healing now it's like I have no faith that God can heal me okay I've been there I mean God touched me and then there's another kind of challenge and then it's like you're totally faithless. And the only way to, to turn that around is to document what God has done, to go back to it, to meditate on it, to read through it. To, this is why we have a Bible full of stories. This is why we need to spend time in the Word of God because it's supposed to strengthen our hope levels. We know the outcome of Abraham's story, but he didn't know in that time. So... In the same way, your children and their children will know the outcome of your stories, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years later. But we don't know the outcome at this moment. But we need to document what God has done in the past to fill our hope levels. Amen? We need to keep on meditating on God's promises and hold it before us. Even if everything screams that we are crazy, to believe in a God that we can't see. This is why Abraham's hope grew stronger, his faith grew stronger, because he had this promise, and he was holding on to it, and he was meditating on it, and he was not giving up. You know, there's a beautiful scripture in Isaiah 40, verse 31. It says, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run, and they will not grow weary, and they will walk, and they will not faint. That is strength. You run and you, you don't grow weary. You, you mount up with wings like eagles. It's a supernatural strength when we, we wait upon the Lord. And that wait, I looked up that word wait in Isaiah 40. It, it means to wait for, to look for, to expect, and to hope. So it expresses the idea of waiting hopefully. It's not a passive waiting. It's not, okay, fine, Axel Namavach, you know, I, I will wait and I will wait and I'll wait some more because I don't really have another choice. It's not that. It's, it's a hopeful waiting. It's a, it's a waiting that says anything can happen at any moment. That's the kind of waiting. It's a waiting that says suddenly God can come through for me. It's a waiting that says this morning God can come through for some of you. Amen? It's not a, it's not a passive, okay, let's see what's going to happen. It's, I mean, wh when is it going to happen? And the, the, the challenge is not to be so disappointed if it doesn't happen, that our lives fall apart. Okay? But it, we need to keep on waiting, hopefully. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you now how we can balance the two. 
of not, not being so disappointed that our lives fall apart, but also not becoming so cynical and skeptical and not hoping for anything anymore. I'm going to show you how we, how we can do that. You know, when um, um, Andre and I are, most of you know this, but Andre and I are trusting the Lord for another child. It's now almost eight years. I have no idea how it has become eight years. But we are still trusting in the Lord. But every month when I realize I'm not pregnant, it feels like a very distant promise. It feels as truly, I, I really feel this is never going to happen. Even though we have pages and pages full of scriptures, dreams from other people, words from different sources and people who don't even know me. So what do I do? What do I do with that? When, when I'm confronted month by month with, am I crazy? Am I, am I naive? Am I gullible? Am I, what do I do? What do I do with this? You know, and what do I do when my son comes home and he sings me a song that he learned in the choir and he says, oh, Mommy, I, I'm, I can't forget this song because I want to sing it to my baby sister. Or when one of his friends has a dream last year in November, you know, Vian comes home after cricket. He says, Mommy, Mommy, my friend had a dream that I have a baby sister with blonde hair and blue-green eyes. And then he says, something is happening. I feel it, Mommy, I feel it. Something is happening. What do I do with that? So I have promises, and then I have this monthly disappointment that is very real. It's very real. It's not, it's something I need to learn to manage because my life can't fall apart, but I can't stop hoping either. So how do you do that? Because for you guys, there's other things. You're hoping and waiting maybe for something else. How do you manage the, the hope and then the disappointment and then the hope and then the disappointment? What do you do? What do you do? And... I had to learn to, to manage that. I mean, even just yesterday, I went to, I do water aerobics at one of the gyms. Now, my one instructor, she asks me every now and again, so, Sonika, are you pregnant yet? No, I'm not. <laughs> so I said, one of these days, one of these days, okay, we're kind of just, you know, she's building my faith. And then she says to me, Sonika, when I'm praying for you, for another child, I feel God's presence like electricity over my body. So what do I do with things like that, you know? It doesn't stop. It's not as if it is just personal, close friends that so hoping that I fall pregnant that they come with words. It's people that are very distant and people that are very far removed from my situation. And I just realize I can't ignore that. I can't ignore that. I need to keep on hoping. You know, and I've made up my mind that it will never change anything if, if we do not have another baby. I just want to put it out there. It's not going to change anything. It's not going to change my perspective of the Lord. It's not going to change my heart. I'm not going to become bitter. I'm not going to become offended. I've made up my mind about that because God has shown himself good to me in so many areas of my life. So I have a hope, but I have no guarantee. My guarantee is Jesus. My guarantee is my relationship that I have with him. Not even the promises. Not even the promises are my guarantee. My guarantee is my relationship I have with this God that is showing himself strong to me over and over and over in small things, in big things, in things I need, in things I don't even need. He's just showing himself strong to me. And I write it down and I go back to those things. And it strengthens me over and over. Let me show you a scripture in, in Samuel where David was, was strengthening himself in the Lord. There was this, this uh, war against the Amalekites. And they came and they actually destroyed the town where David lived. They took all the women. Okay, so the men were out on a... On a um, I almost said a hunting trip. <laughs> they, were, they were fighting, okay, somewhere else. They left the women and the children, and then um, 
Other people came and they destroyed everything and they took the women and the children. Now, how do you think the men feel when they get back and there's nobody? Okay, so David was greatly distressed. Understatement. Okay, understatement of the year. He was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him. They wanted to kill David now because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. So it was a major crisis. Everybody was gone. His own wives and children, they were gone. Yes, he had more than one wife. I don't understand that. But yes, they were all gone. And now the people want to stone him. They want to kill him. How's that for? You know, thank you very much. I thought you, we are in the same team. But listen to this. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He strengthened himself. He didn't eat chocolates. He didn't watch a movie. He didn't find his friend for coffee. He didn't fall back into a previous addiction. He strengthened himself in the Lord. This is powerful. This is very powerful. The question is how to do it, though. I'll get to that. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll try. I'll try and explain. I think there's many ways in which we can strengthen ourselves in the Lord. But he did not run to anything else but God. He strengthened himself in the Lord. It was a major crisis. And God came through for him. Okay, you can go read the rest of the story. But he strengthened himself. God gave him supernatural strategy for that specific situation. And they went and they took back the, you know, all the wives and the children. Beautiful. So, practically, how do we strengthen ourselves in the Lord? There's many ways. But I just want to share with you what, what God showed me. I believe, there's one thing that Andre wrote in his book, so that's the starting point. I believe we need to be thankful but thirsty. That's one beautiful day that Andre wrote in, in his book that, you, that is worth reading. Every time I read it, I get new perspective on that. Thankful but thirsty. We also need to be content. We need to be content, but we also need to be contending for more. Okay, content but contending. We must learn to be present in the moment, but we, must, we can't stay there. We must press in for more. Okay, so thankful but thirsty. Content but contending. Present but pressing in. Okay, easy to remember. So thanksgiving, the, the key when it comes to thanksgiving is daily Daily thanksgiving, daily gratitude for who God is and what he has done in your life. I've, I've just made it part of my life. So I, I actually found that in, in difficult seasons, I default back to thanksgiving. So I wrote, I wrote my car off in December. Now I don't feel well about it. Now I, I go to default mode, thanksgiving. Okay, my house, my house didn't burn down like, you know, what happened in, in Neisner in, you know, a year ago. My house didn't burn. I wrote my car off, but I have this, I have this, I have this. I have this to be thankful for. I'm not injured. My child is not injured. There's just in every, whatever you're going through, if Thanksgiving is your default, it will strengthen you straight away. In that moment, you will realize, okay, yes, this happened, but I have all of these things that I can be thankful for. It's a lifesaver for me. Contentment. We, we don't focus on what we don't have, but we focus on what we have. So, yes, I'm waiting for another child, but I have this, and I have this, and I have this, and I have, I, I'm blessed. I am so blessed. But if I'm only going to focus on my waiting process for another baby, I'm not going to feel blessed. I'm going to feel cursed because my strength is not in God. My strength is found in, in whether I fall pregnant or not. So I will never be strong if I, I focus on what I don't have instead of focusing on what I have. Being present, to embrace your season, to be present in the moment. So often... No, I don't want to be in grade 7 anymore. I want to be high school. 
And I don't want to be, high school sucks, you know. I just want to be a student. University sounds awesome. And then you get to university and you must study really hard. Surprise, surprise. And then, I mean, it was so funny. Yesterday, my son, my nine-year-old son said to me, now it's his first uh, test week next week, ever. Grade four, test week. Now it's the end of his world because we need to study on a Saturday. Well, I don't know if everybody does, but if it depends on his mommy, we're studying on a Saturday. So he said to me, I can't wait for the day that I'll be working. Like, I don't have to study. So I said, you're going to study for the rest of your life. So I just saw, you know, this grade four sucks, you know, this test week. And it's, oh, I just want to work, you know. And then this, it's, it sounds so glamorous. And, you know, we, we will forever... B, we'll, we will never be strong in the moment if we forever want to live in another moment. And even in a difficult season, you can embrace that. You can embrace it with all of your heart and receive strength from the Lord. But if you're going to, in your heart and in your mind, wish that it's, it's the next season already, you're going to miss you're going to miss what God has for you now in this season. There might be treasures. There might be beautiful gems in this season. And now you're missing it. You do not see the good that this season brings. Because you, you find your strength in the next season that you're going to hope will be better. You will not see the good that that's, this season brings. So thanksgiving, contentment, being present is our default. Whenever we need strength, it is something that will strengthen you. But we can't stay there. We can't just be thankful. We can't just be content and we can't just be present. There's more. There is more. That is why we need to be thankful but thirsty for more. And that is, that is the, the two conflicting things. We must be thankful but we must thirst for more. You can't just thirst for more. Because your life will fall apart when things don't work out the way you are hoping for. Thanksgiving is your foundation. It's the foundation of your strength. But if you want your roots to go deeper, you must be thirsty for more. You must. Otherwise, you will always just have, be a small little tree, thanking God for everything in your life, but not growing, not pressing in for more. We must be we must contend. We must contend for the things in our lives that we're trusting the Lord for. What does that mean? You need to wrestle. You need to endure. You need to ask and ask and ask. You need to trust in Him. You need to fight for what is important to you. You need to fight for those promises. So yes, we need to be content with what God has given us. But we can't stay in that place. The two goes together. Content, but contending for more. Amen? We need to contend for more. We need to keep on meditating on His promises. We can't give up. You can't give up. We need to press in. You see, the only way we can press in for more, the only way we can press in for more and being present is when we look away from ourselves. We need to look away from our own situation and look to the world and realize that there's a world out there that's desperate for hope. There's a world out there where they don't know Jesus. There's people out there who are desperate for peace, for hope, for something beautiful in this life. And if we just be present in our own situation and love our own little comfort zone, we will not ever grow beyond our own capacity. We need to look further than our own home, our own desires, our own dreams, and see a world out there that needs Jesus. And you will, you will find strength in having a dream bigger than yourself. You will be strengthened. You'll be energized. I think this is the, the one thing that energizes me the most. You know, just to get up and press in for, for the sake of others, not even for my own sake, 
But to look around and realize if I'm going to stay in my victim mentality, if I'm going to stay in my pity party, then there's people out there that will never be strengthened because I am now only focusing on myself. And it helps me so much. It helps me so much. And I want to share with you um, just one other thing relating to our journey to fall pregnant, which is something more recent and something very personal, but I've I really felt God wanted me to share it. So in, in January, we, we did a three-week three fast. Most of you would know about it. There was a, a period of three weeks where we fasted, where we really sought God's face, and every week was different. So it was an extremely positive experience for me. I, I kept on exercising. I, I just I, I experienced... God's closeness in a beautiful way. I have so much good memories. You see, you need, this is what we need to do. We need to fill up our, our memory tank, you know, our suitcase. Our memory suitcase must be full of good things, of good moments with, with the Lord. So I had so many good moments with the Lord in those three weeks. So um, my, um, sorry guys for if this is... Um, uh, too much for you, but I, I really feel I need to share this. So my, my, my monthly period should have started in week three of this fast. And it didn't, um, um, it, it, it's normally quite, um, yeah, regular, okay. So now it doesn't start on the day that it normally starts, and I didn't think much of it because I'm fasting and I'm, you know, my mind is on different things. But now when it comes to day four, day five, I, I start to notice this. And I decided, okay, I'm not telling Andre because if you know my husband, he is, um, yeah, I'm worried that he's going to post on Facebook that I'm pregnant, you know, <laughs> just because I'm five days late. Okay, so now I don't tell him. On day four, I didn't tell him. I can't remember. So on day five, I realized I received such hope that I might be pregnant. And it's crazy how quickly you can move from there's nothing to you're almost ready to make an announcement, you know, that with no evidence, though, with no evidence. It's just purely because you are late. Now, I tell, I tell Andre on day five or something, now my husband is over the moon, okay? And I tell him, and I know I read up, you know, that evening I read up how fasting can delay your, your monthly cycle. And I, oh, I said to him, listen, we, we can't, we need to be now realistic about this. No, but we're going to trust and we're going to hope. And I mean, our hopes were high, all right? I was on my way to buy a pregnancy test the, on day, I think day seven. So after six days, my period started. In the middle of the night. Now, I don't know. Should I wake up my husband? What, what should I do now? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of... Now, I go through all these emotions. I shouldn't have told him. I shouldn't have told him. I should have known better. I should have known that a force can delay this. But we had to work through this. Because even though nobody died, it felt to me as if somebody died. And I had to... I had to sit there this morning and just say, Lord, you need to strengthen me now because for, for, for the first time in a very, very, very long time, it wasn't just a, like a subtle hope and a subtle disappointment that happens monthly. It was a massive hope and a massive disappointment. And I need to pick myself up now. I need to pick myself up. And, you know, I, I did feel sorry for myself. I was, I was, I was really battling and I realize now that not even my husband can now help me here. I need to find my strength in God. You know, and he was so faithful. Once I, it was one of those times, you know, when you do not know whether God's really actually going to get this right now. To, to pick you up, to strengthen you, to fix this. And he did. And the biggest way in which he did, first of all, he said to me, Sonica, just get perspective. Nobody died. Okay, and I just want to, with all of my heart, if any one of you have ever been through a miscarriage, I just want to assure you that, that God understands. I don't think anybody truly, totally understands 
what you must be going through because there was life. There was life and you lost it. And, but I just, I just feel to say that God knows. You know, when, when Jesus died on the cross, God the Father lost his one and only son. And sometimes we think it must have been different because he's God and it was all planned and he lost, he lost his son. And there's something in God that totally and fully understands death. And I do not know all of your stories and I do not know all of your circumstances, but God knows. And he's the one and only, he's the only one who can pick us up again when something like death occur in our lives. And I really feel that God wants to do something this morning where he just wants to, you know, in, in, in the book of Revelation where he says he will wipe away all tears, there will be no death, there will be no sorrow, that he makes all things new. And I really feel this is what he, want, he wants to do this morning. And maybe some of you have experienced death and you've never worked through that. And I really feel that we need to come alongside one another and just cry out to, to, to the Lord because he is the only one who can strengthen us in, in, in things like that. So I just want to end with one scripture. Psalm 18 verse 1 to 3. It's been a, it's been a, a key scripture in my life so many times when, when my life was falling apart. And... I mean, I just know it off by heart now because it, it, I, I, I run to it so often. And it, it, it says that, uh, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. He's my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And I, I trust the Lord this morning that he's going to strengthen you in a supernatural way. We will never find strength from another person. We, we, we can receive sympathy or comfort or, or prayer or support. But the strength that we need to fulfill the days of our lives, not by only coping, but by flourishing with our roots going deeper, when the heat comes, when the drought comes, when it will not affect us, it's, it's only God who can strengthen us in that way. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.